level O. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Oh, man. So, hey, well, this is my co-host, Larry. He's on the phone. What's going on? So, Bear, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much, man, for, like, this is our inaugural podcast. We're oh, wow. I'm honored. Yeah, no, man. You, you, you're, you're the greatest, man, and we, we appreciate that. Of course. And sorry for the technical difficulties. It's all right. Yeah, I was getting that air message saying that you did, there was another meeting in progress. So I couldn't get it. So all good. No worries. All good. All good. You did the same thing to me earlier. I was getting the same air message. Yeah. <laughs> at, least I, at least I can't take it personal now. <laughs> true, true. So, Bear, hey, we'll start right off. We're going to kind of like yeah. segment this into like the two sections. Like, number one, like personal, like, you know, how you got to where you are, and then number two, college football. Is that okay with you? Yeah, totally. Cool, man. So the first thing I want to know is you joined game day in 96. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That was my first year on the trip. Kirk and I started out the same year. All right. So you've had 15, 25 years experience. Yep. And I want to know who's the craziest guest picker or like just funniest moment you've had from a guest picker uh, the, the, the bill murray guest picker segment at the uh clemson i guess it would have been clemson florida state game in 2013 yeah. maybe it would have been that was hysterical <laughs> he, he was an absolute nut he was he was chipping golf balls uh over uh, <laughs> over over my head he was he body slammed lee corso and, and fake stabbed him with the with the flaming spear uh that, that was a uh that was a wild uh uh pick segment that that, that was hysterical uh, obviously the katie perry segment is uh one that everybody remembers from when right, we're in the right, grove right. uh and, and even one of the more unique ones that was really good was when we had the oregon duck kind of act out himself and be a uh celebrity guest picker and didn't speak but he just used a bunch of a bunch of props and and things like that and that was hysterical as well but as a person uh bill bill murray was uh in my opinion by far the best yeah he was was great i love it i love it um so on a another kind of like kind of to add on to that question right is i want to know if if you could have a beer one night with lee corso kirk herbstreet or desmond howard who are you picking? Oh, it's got to be Lee. It's <laughs> Lee 100% because, uh, well, number one, I don't know if that could possibly happen because he goes to bed pretty early these days. But <laughs> it, might, it, might be, it might be a way to spike his beer and uh, keep him up a little bit because he, he has enough stories when he's uh, not sitting down at the bar chatting or whatever. But yeah. uh, I, could just ima- I could just imagine if we get him sitting down at the bar nice and late and <laughs> give him one, all, all, the, uh, all the old stories from Florida State and and him playing and, and his coaching days at Indiana and Louisville, uh, who, who knows what's liable to, uh, to come out of the ball there. It's absolutely late, 100%. That's awesome. Larry, what do you got? What do you got? Yeah, so, I mean, most kids growing up watch cartoons on Saturday morning. Uh, we grew up watching college game day. Um, that's, that's, that's what we grew up doing Saturday mornings. Uh, you've been doing the show since 96. What still drives you and motivates you to – put out the best product and the best show on the planet when it comes to college football. 
Uh, just that different uh, every week is kind of unexpected and different. We, we, everyone likes to have fun with with Tim Kirkjian and his and his baseball anecdote about you never know what you're going to see when you go to the ballpark. It, uh, it, it's kind of the same way with college football. You never know what's going to happen on any given Saturday in, in, in the sport. You could have a, a massive, massive upset or a record-setting performance or, or something that completely changes the the landscape. So it, it's just the, the, the love of the sport and really not knowing uh, what's going to happen on on any given day? It just keeps you keeps you sharp. And, and, and the same thing, I, I think being out on the road uh, really energizes me. Uh, I, I love being out at the games. I love being around the fans. I, I love the excitement of working a, a live television show and then the game that night. Uh, it really puts my mind in a uh, a good spot. And I just don't know what I'd be doing if I wasn't involved uh, in, in this show. So it's a variety of those factors. Yeah, I mean, you guys have done a great job evolving with the sports gambling now. It's the environment's changing, and you guys seem to be on top of that right away. It's impressive. Yeah, one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud about uh, with the show is that we were kind of the first show at ESPN outside of uh, Chris Berman's uh, Swami and the two minutes uh, in terms of an actual studio show. Uh, we would slide in the reference of the closer than the experts think, uh, the win by a touchdown and a field goal. We, we would slide in some some, some Vegas-related notes. Uh, but really, uh, and I guess it was probably 2012 or so was finally the year that uh, we, we kind of like, you know, you know what, we have, we have people who know how to talk about this. Uh, we have people who lived it and been around it a while. We have people who are respected. Uh, we're going to create this role for you to, to really interject and, and throw some things out there in an educated way. And I, I think uh, we look kind of smart for it. I think our show gained a, a lot of respect because we were able to do that and we weren't afraid to uh, face the, uh, the, the issue. Yeah, really an issue, but face it head on. Like we're not stupid enough to act like, like, well, we don't know. No one's dare. No, no, no one in our audience is dare. Right, right. The game. Like, like we realize what our audience is. We, we were all college students once. We were all right out of school. We, we know the cities of Las Vegas and all the, uh, the, the, lo- the local bookies exist. Like, we know what people want. So, uh, I think the fact that we realized that and just chose to kind of embrace it in a smart way, uh, as opposed to just completely avoiding it, I think, uh, that was one of the better decisions the show has made. Uh, in recent years. So, Bear, a quick question for you. Is that, like, whose decision was it? Because if I remember correctly, you were the first one who ever put out picks with spreads on college game day. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there would be, like, hey, I like this team, I like this team, you know, yep. so on and so forth. But, like, you, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you were the first person that actually put out, like, spreads on the board and, you know, gave your yep. bear as to who you, who you had covering. Yeah, I was. And I give uh, Lee Fitting, who was the coordinating producer of the game day at the time, and now he runs the college football project at ESPN. Uh, he's someone who I, and even Kirk, Kirk and Chris as well. Uh, but but yeah. mainly it was Lee's call to basically say, hey, uh, you know what you're talking about. Uh, people respect your opinion. We're going to, we can do it in a way that even if you are not betting on a game, if you simply say we show an Ohio State, Michigan State line and, hey, Ohio State's a 14 and a half point favor over Michigan State. But remember, uh, under Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State, uh, he's won 
seven games as a 14-point underdog or more in the last 10 games, whatever. And, and even if you're not betting on the game, you're like, wow, really? So so basically, they might actually, even though they have 14-point underdog, they might actually have a chance today. So uh, I, I right. think we've done a really good job in trying to create either devices or storylines that even if you're not betting on a game, uh, you're going to find the information useful. And it's funny. It's funny. Real quick, real quick, real quick. On that note, make sure that you're following Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast on iTunes, Spotify too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And Spotify. Follow that for the first best information in college football and follow us for a second. But, anyways, go ahead, Larry. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I listen to you guys on the ESPN app too. That, that app's great. Uh, but, um, I, it's funny to think of that, like the major upsets back in the day. Like, I, I wonder what App State, how big of a dog they were to like Michigan and thinking back on like seeing yeah. those, hey, like who the, bet on, them? like where's the their money you know, on the money the, line? The, the, oh, the, the funny thing is, I, I, I don't think, like, like we, that's a great conversation to have because I'm not necessarily sure. Like, I mean, I don't think they would have been like a 30-point underdog, because those were good Appalachian State teams, and, and Michigan was kind of a, like, from a from the name, the shock value of it, uh, it was a massive upset. But but at the same time, I think like the USC loss to, uh, to Stanford were certainly a, a bigger point spread, and I wouldn't be surprised if the, uh, like the West Virginia home loss to Pitt at the end of the 2007 season wasn't big, but, but the sheer like shock value of Appalachian States going to the big house to start the year and, and pull, pull an upset. Uh, that, that, that is what really makes that upset so big, but, but yeah, I, it's, I, I wish we had uh, the historical spreads for all those games. I'm sure I could dig it up somewhere just to You're find right. out whether I'm right or wrong here. So we're, we're in, in kind of adding to that, where do you find that value as a normal college football better, like, you know, Appalachian State, Michigan, perfect example, to know that Appalachian State is going to be, you know, a team that can compete and should be a 30-point spread, right? Well, I, I, th- I think a lot of it is looking – I mean, remember at the, at the time, Appalachian State had been a very successful FCS program, and yep. uh, Michigan, like I said, was kind of in a, tra- a transitional era as well. Um, but I mean, just spinning it forward in general, uh, there's so much information out there nowadays in terms of specialty websites devoted to, to right, right. non-FBS football. Uh, th- those numbers usually don't come out until later in the week because uh, they're not they're not really technically uh, boarded slash rotation games. Uh, so they're they're added games later in the week because the uh, Vegas and, and the offshores know that people. Do you want to bet on those games? Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the information is out there. And a lot of times it's more of a, uh, some of these things are more situational than anything else where uh, you knew that Michigan had a game the next week uh, against Oregon, which was a game that they were looking forward to. They probably figured they could just go out there with a, with a B effort and, and get by okay. a lot. And I think that's the mentality of a lot of these schools, even uh, I mean, last year was a weird, a weird season, obviously, but you could say the same thing about a, about a team like Iowa State, who uh, they probably thought they could just go, but give a B effort uh, against Louisiana and win that game. And uh, they allow, what, three non-offensive touchdowns in the game and had a bunch of guys out with COVID and, and, and lost at home. So 
Uh, oh, oh, so much of it is psychological with these big favorites just thinking because they're playing a group of five team or an FCS team that they can simply just walk out on the field and be better. Uh, that's certainly not the case these days. So, Bear, I graduated from Iowa State. I watched oh, that game. Man. Yeah, I know. Man. But, hey, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Virtual hug. Well, no, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm a Hawkeye fan. All right. All right. That being said, I saw that game, and I think Iowa State is completely overrated. Um, Oh wow, gee, there's a shocker. And I, a Hawkeye fan, thinking Iowa State, (laughs) never, ever, ever heard that one before. The amount of vitriol I get from from Iowa fans for 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 prop for propping up Iowa. Oh my god. So 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 tell me this: they return a ton of starters, Mm -hmm. right? The Big 12, I think, is transforming into this pass-happy, offensive-happy offense into it's slightly turning more into that def- defensive game, right? Um, that being said, I don't think Iowa State can put up points like other teams can. However, I feel their defense is good, but they ain't beating Oklahoma. They ain't beating TCU. Beat Oklahoma last year. Well, I, I get that much. Years ago, you got Rattler, Rattler at quarterback right now, right? Yep, he played last year on the game. Oh, he did. I yeah. Props, props to you. This is why we have people like you on. Uh, I think Purdy's better than Rattler, anyways. Oh boy, I think I was beat Oklahoma in the Big Twelve this year. The, the, the thing with Iowa State getting better, like just to circle it back to what you were talking about, is they can. That that's kind of the beauty, I think, of the, of Matt Campbell's team is if you want it, like the game in in, uh, in Norman a couple of years ago, the way they had the, the two point conversion failed, that uh, yeah. where they where they lost, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. was a high scoring game. Like they they can play that game, or they're just as content going gain of four, second and six, gain of four, third and two, first down, move the sticks and and just kind of bludgeon you out there with a, a short pass run game and, and win it with their defense. And I think that's kind of the problem, I think, in the Big 12 for a lot of these teams that, that there were so many teams out there that are just used to spread, run a lot of plays, tempo that yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of keeps them off the field a lot of times when they, when they hold ball 40 minutes and and just go up and down the field on you. So uh, it, it is going to be an interest, interesting season, I think, though, in, in Ames, because uh, now there are expectations for the first time ever. I mean, I'm not going to say in a long time, for the, ever. Ever, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're a senior-laden team with all those guys coming back. And the question I've been saying, too, though, is, like, uh, is everyone a year late? I was on them last year. I got laughed at. I got mocked. And there they were, yeah. about 20 yards from winning the Big 12 title. Um, that game uh, in, in Ames, uh, second week of the year against Iowa, is going to go a long way, I think, in determining the course of the year because uh, it's a team that Matt Campbell and Iowa State haven't been able to beat. Uh, they very easily could have won a couple of those games. Uh, one was in overtime, and then another one was that, <laughs> the, uh, the, the botch punt a couple of years ago in that weird weather game. Uh, so I, I think if Iowa were to go to Ames and win again, uh, how the uh, – the Cyclones respond to that uh, would be interesting to see. But at the same time, on the flip side, if they are finally able to, to get over that Iowa hump, uh, the sky's the limit, I think, for, uh, for Iowa State. 
So convince me, and this will be the last thing we talk about Big 12, but convince me why TCU isn't going to win the Big 12. I, I think I think they need a health is probably the health is number one, and True. number two is just Gary Patterson, the, man. Like yeah, he's, he's returning everybody. Yeah, that, that that's the thing. Like this is probably the deepest team that they have, uh, you know, certainly in the skill positions since that 2014 team that um, nearly made the college football playoffs. Yeah, yeah. However, the, again, the health is number one, especially with with Doug stuck in a quarterback. And number two would be, can they finally win some of these close games? This is a team that has lost boatloads of close games yeah. the last couple of years. And uh, you would think at some point uh, it's going to kind of re- regress to the mean and they're going to win some of these games. But but at the same time, until they actually do it, uh, who knows? But, but I, I, I do like TCU this year. I, I, think, I think the Big 12 hierarchy is Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU uh, in, in that order. Gotcha. And, uh, and and it, it would not like if, if there was a, a prop out there like the, the could you get a price on uh, the Big Twelve game will will not feature Oklahoma or Texas like, like basically it would mean it would be Iowa State versus TCU that's not the worst stab in the world at all. Yeah, no, I um, I don't like Texas as quarterback this year. Unproven. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Card. Uh, I mean, because Casey Thompson, I don't know if he necessarily fits everything that Sark wants to do, but I'm sure he will be on the field. But that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow is the Texas quarterback situation, because if it's not Casey Thompson and he loses out, he'll probably wind up uh, moving on after this year. Right. Well, Steve Sarkeesian can turn any offense into a powerhouse, but I don't think he has his players right now. That's. I guess just my two cents. Right. Well, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, outside of B, outside of uh, B. John Robinson, uh, there's a lot. Oh of yeah, yeah, the running back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, if I have to go through another year hearing about how Jordan Whittington is this next great game-breaking player at Texas and having and see him get hurt in the second game of the year, I mean, I, I can't take it. But yeah, with, with Sark, it, it's very easy to, to have your scheme and the simplicity of it uh, look great when you got. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones and right, Monte right. Smith and Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris. And all the, it, it's easy to do it there, but now we'll see uh, what happens when he doesn't have uh, all of those great five-star recruits and the performance gotcha. level at the quarterback position that he had in, in Tuscaloosa. Gotcha. Well, hey, I have one more question before Larry hops in here. So we did our research. Uh, obviously, you're a very knowledgeable guy. Uh, I watched the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics uh, conference that you did back in 2013. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, when we were kind of forecasting the playoff. You you quote in that interview. You say, you know what, our biggest problem is going to be who are we going to determine for four and five. And you know what, <laughs> you're, you're a future teller. <laughs> uh, but real quick, uh, kind of a side note, and then I'll let Larry hop in here, is that you grew up a Penn State fan. I did. You went to the University of Miami. I did. If Penn State and Miami play at a neutral field, neutral field, whose jersey, whose jersey are you wearing? Or whose color? Oh, Miami. Miami. My, my, for uh, real? Miami for sure. Miami, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's where that's where I grew up. Penn State fan because I, I had a lot of family in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, and that when I, I, look, I grew up on an island, so it's not like 
it's a college, it's a college football hotbed. Right. And so right, being right. being around my my cousins in Pennsylvania who are diehard and still are Penn State fans, like that that was the college football that I knew. In addition to the the Notre Dame replays on 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 Sunday morning that we used to get at the house. So, but uh, just, yeah, just just look, look. I worked in the athletic department for four years. I, I never saw Miami lose a home game. I was there during the 58 oh, yeah. game home winning streak, uh, have a national championship ring. Uh, working in that athletic department allowed me to kind of create a path to, to, to get where I am now. So I owe everything to, uh, to, to Miami and certainly athletic department. So that, that is a no brainer for me. All right. That's funny. You mentioned it. I, I'm, I grew up in Boston. I don't really have an affiliation growing up. I defaulted to West Virginia cause I got to watch Rich Rod. Fights mm-hmm. East Slayton because that I mean that was the closest team to me in New England. Uh, but I, I went. Come on now, B- 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 BC was right there. Now come on, Matty Ice. Yeah, BC just a private <laughs> school. People from actually Boston don't are big BC fans. I'm aware. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm aware of that. I have quite a few friends who went to BC, and they they, they get so frustrated about that as well. Yeah, I mean, I went to BC football camp growing up in high school too. But uh, yeah, I mean, I went to Coastal Carolina, so I mean, I'm diehard Coastal. Oh wow! Fan. I'm not. Wow. They'll go 12 and 0 this year, win the Big South. <laughs> the only issue is they, they, their strength of schedule is just it's not there. It's, right. It's it's tough, um, and I don't think BYU is going to come knocking again um, after that last year. Uh. Little interesting fact of the day: BYU has the least strength of schedule in the entire uh, Division One college football. Yeah, that, that, that's a problem. That, that that was one of the bigger issues uh, that they had uh, last year, and that's one of the issues with, with being independent. I mean, you you're not getting those automatic games with conference opponents that that are going to boost that schedule. You kind of got to go out and schedule a lot of. Uh, group of five teams that really aren't going to boost that the level. Yeah, I'm curious to see how BYU is going to going to do this year. That you lose, uh, you lose Zach Wilson, you you lose your offensive coordinator and Jeff Grimes. So that, that that's going to be a an interesting team to to see how they how how they fare this year. Uh so yeah, moving on um, with the new NILs. Do you see that changing the landscape of college football? Nope. And so <laughs> how is that going to change kind of the landscape that we know today? It, it's just, I mean, the, the rich are going to get richer. I mean, that, that, that's, that's all that, it, in my opinion, that's what we're going to see. Okay. Um, and, and we can edit this out, but let's be honest, Bear, is that players were getting paid the whole time. Right. Yeah. This is, this yeah. is just, this is just the, yeah, you, 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 you're, we're not, yeah, we're not, we're not talking about all the, alleged recruiting improprieties that right, right, reportedly, right. reportedly are going on. Uh, like, but you look at the, the big money schools that have the, the, the bigger boosters and the, in the bigger conferences with um, yeah, bigger, bigger, bigger uh, resources and connections. Like, like that's what it's, this is not going to level the playing field. I mean, I think you could even argue that uh, it's going to tilt it even more that these that these schools are going to have more avenues now to bring in and to keep uh, star players happy. Now, now, that's just my opinion. We'll, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. I, I'm not one of these guys who was like 
gaga over oh my god the nil what's happening now it's the great it's oh i gotta read out like if it was an nil story like i wouldn't like care to read it i'm, I'm like it's like fine good they want to pay some players fine you, you have a job okay that's good that's great it's a, i didn't treat it as like this end all be all of oh this is going to be great and everyone's going to be in the it's not going to be like that at all um yep so we'll, we'll see so i mean like Bryce Young's making a million dollars, but me and Larry, well, I'm pretty sure Larry, agree that Bryce Young is garbage. We're going back to the Alabama (laughs) days past where it's pure defense and you have a game manager. Larry, who's the quarterback skin from Alabama defense days? So, I mean, it's you compared to Greg McEnroy, John Parker Wilson, and A.J. McCarron. Bear, do you see the same thing? rewind me again i I had a facetime popping up oh no sorry um i'm sorry yeah no 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 it's fine um bryce young is terrible and they're reverting back to the days of having a quarterback be a game manager rather than a playmaker and going back to the defense owning the game i wouldn't say well well that part of it i think is correct the second part of it that i that i do think that this is a a team that Nick Saban will enjoy maybe a little bit more than some of the other teams that he's had in the fact that it is more of a defensive minded team uh, where the defense is probably going to carry them uh, earlier in the year. And maybe they won't be in as many 52, 48 type of games uh, like they are in their face. But, but at the same time, I think it's unfair to say Bryce Young is garbage uh, because (laughs) we haven't haven't seen him. He's a high, he's a highly talented. You know, it's safe to say, and perfectly fair to say, uh, we don't know how good he can be. We we don't know what he is because he hasn't seen the field very much. That that's fair. But but um, based I on sp- how we, how we based on how he played in the spring. I mean, yep. he he looked okay. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, I, 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 I know people. I know I know, I know, I, know pe- I know people out there that don't think there's going to be too much of a fall off from what they saw from. For Mac Jones last year, so we'll see what happens. Fair enough. I'm well, the, 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 good, the good thing is we're going to know we're going to know early in the year because uh, they got Miami, who they should handle. And they got Florida early in the year as well, so uh, it'll be good. But baptism by fire, just the way it should be in college football. Real I mean, quick, Larry. Real quick, before you go, my lock of the year is Miami plus nineteen neutral field against Alabama. Derek King. Uh, they got their uh, wide receiver back, Cook. I think his name is. Uh, uh, my my Carly, my Carly, my Carly's there. It's there. Cool. Little Thank slot you. guy, and, and then they and then uh, uh, Will Mallory is the big uh, the big tight end. So tell me that that's the lock of the year. It's not the lock of the year. <laughs> um, you see, you see Miami's you see Miami's rush defense against North Carolina and the defense against uh, Oklahoma State in the bowl game. Uh, it's it's a problem. And when your strongest unit of the year last year was your defensive line and you lose three guys from that line that wind up being drafted, um, it's going to be a very tough ask, I think, for Miami to slow down Alabama to start the year. And that being said, maybe Garrett King will create and they can can put up some points. But I I think if the way you you look at how uh, Miami has done lately, some of their bigger tests against uh, ranked teams, whether it's uh, whether it's North Carolina or whether it's Clemson or a team like or LSU, uh, it hasn't necessarily gone very well. 
So uh, it's going to be a big test. It's going to be a big test for uh, for Manny Diaz and taking the defense back over to try and slow down and figure out a way to to stop that Alabama offense because uh, what we saw last year from the Miami rush defense, especially, uh, was not promising. Understood. There you go ahead, man. Uh, I mean, just back to the NIL. I mean, I so I mean, my take would be I, I mean, I see players uh, like players that are projected to be fourth fifth, sixth, and seventh round NBA draft picks. I, I, I think they may lean on staying in college if they can get played. Can sure. get played. Um, and we may see more, like the best player on a team that's maybe a non-Power 5 team, I guess that already happens, but we may see more players play three or four years um, if they can get paid. Well, yeah, I think certainly the level in which you can get paid uh, is certainly going to affect it. And, and I think this is one of those things where uh, we've seen it in college basketball uh, with the transfer portal, and, and I'm sure we're going to see it uh, to some extent in college football, and I'm sure we have already, even though I don't have a, uh, an example right off the top of my head, where we talked about some of these group of five teams uh, that have a star player who maybe he will go to a – to an Alabama or a USC or whatever, and he can find himself making a little bit of money uh, at some of those big, bigger and bigger name schools, as opposed to to going to the uh, to the NFL draft because it's an opportunity to get paid and and be in college, and then uh, you still have that draft next year. So uh, the, the, the 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 portal and NIL it's certainly going to create. Um, some, some, some choices and some decisions and some unintended consequences, I think, for a lot of uh, players and teams and schools as well. So you can almost look at the reverse way with like Tate Martell transferring to UNLV. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's going to. I, I couldn't, buy, yeah, I couldn't hand, believe. Hand, hand I couldn't, injury today, by the way. I, I couldn't believe when I, when I read that a couple of weeks back that he was still like hanging out, hanging around, hanging on in college. I'm like, I'm like, he actually has eligibility. I couldn't <laughs> believe it that, that, that he was, I mean, uh, yeah, it's got, I mean, it, it, it's funny because I, I can remember hearing from somebody like when people were so excited about him at a, I can't remember. It, it was one of the Ohio state bowl games that they were in and someone was out of practice and they were just like, Really, this is this is the guy who everyone's <laughs> talking about, and, and and then I remember the following next year when everybody was all excited that he was transferring to Miami, and I'm just like, uh, we'll, we'll see based on what I heard. And sure enough, the the guy couldn't wind up throwing the ball from from here to my uh, trophy cabinet. So he got <laughs> Wally pipped by uh, Justin Fields, right? Yes, but Wally got Wally. Actually, was it Justin Fields or uh, no? Justin Fields no, at Georgia, it? and then Derek King at Miami. Well, JT well, actually, back. actually, it was even before that. He he was at Miami with uh with Nkosi Perry and Jaron Williams, oh, two okay. guys who weren't even. He he bolted he bolted he bolted before that. So I, <laughs> who was the? No, it was uh, it was Dwayne Haskins. Who, right, was now. There too, okay, right? okay, okay. Yeah, JT Barrett was there too. Getting Wally pipped is the worst. So, Bear, <laughs> we'll finish up. I have two final questions. Again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, just so awesome of a person of your caliber hopping on this podcast and just talking to us normal guys, just, you know, doing what you do. 
Well, that, that's kind of it's not a problem at all and that, that's what i love about this it's like i kind of and i hope it's why people kind of enjoy what i do and listen to what i say because oh I, absolutely I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like you i'm just like you too i'm a i'm a normal guy who eats drinks sleeps and breathes college football i love the sport and i have no agendas or i don't have anybody that i right. that, that i that i have a, an agenda for so i, I just love talking about the sport so, so happy to do it so on that note, before I switch over to Larry real quick, I guess I have three final questions. I'm going to start with one, and I'm going to end it with two of them. Number one is that I read you covered the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. Yes, it was awesome. You've done Best thing major... I've ever been involved in. Oh, well, then you might have answered my question already. My question is, is that of all sporting events you've ever covered, even though knowing that you're a college football fan, what's the most – we'll say intense event that you ever been to now that's different that that that, that in from for, well in, okay let me let me let me ask, let, let me ask you a question to, to yeah. put it on you intense inter, intense being the workload of my week or my event and my my actual work being intense or the sporting event itself and the atmosphere around it yeah, strictly fandom. Strictly fandom. Uh, okay. Now, now I'm gonna. Now I'm gonna have to. <laughs> actually, that, 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 that I've that I've worked or attended. Attended. Yeah. No, you have to be there in person. Like I okay. went to the Cubs then, World then, Series then, then, game then, right here, baby. Then it is the final game of the of the 1998 baseball or the 97 baseball season. 97, 98, 98, 98. Uh, where Mark McGuire hit home run 69-70. We were you actually were there? in, yes, we were, game day was in Lincoln the previous day for Nebraska-Washington. Yeah. And I, we, uh, myself and Chris Fowler were there, were in, in St. Louis. Our flights connected. And we, took, we took a flight from Lincoln to St. Louis, uh, yeah. went to the game, and then flew home after that. That was, and again, we, we didn't know what we knew now. We kind of had clues and hints. Um, about that, but but being in that stadium that day, uh, wow. it was unbelievable. It, it was yeah. an awesome, awesome experience. Uh, but because I kind of led it to you, uh, the 2010 World Cup was yeah. it unbelievable. It, it was it was the best thing that I've ever been involved in uh, at ESPN. Just being in South Africa for uh, six or seven weeks and in just meeting the people that I met and being around. Yeah, and we, in, we in beat Ghana country. that year to make it to the group stage, right? Or to the... It, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. They, no, they, they lost to Ghana. Uh, oh, they, yeah. They beat yeah. Algeria. They beat Algeria on that final, final yep. uh, group stage game, and then they lost to Ghana uh, in, in, in the round of 16. So, gotcha. but yeah, that, that was just simply incredible. And then the way, the way I phrased it, uh, intensity in terms of my workload or just being there, when ESPN ABC had the U.S. Open and the British Open golf, yeah. those weeks were long, Off. intense hours. But it was fun. <laughs> it was because we were we were on the air basically sixteen hours a day with, with golf. It seemed like and, and just sitting there with 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 Tariko and Andy North and Curtis and yep. Zinger and Dottie and whoever else just kind of just firing out notes and just and just chatting those <laughs> those were long intense work days so uh, they're they're the uh the different uh 
categories of, uh, of, of intensity. I love it. So, I mean, that's, that was what I was going to ask you. Uh, I read you, you grew up by Shinnecock Hills. Mm-hmm. How, how hard is that golf course? Like I was I, looking, I've, I've never played it. Oh, which, really? Which I, I've never played it, but uh, it, 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 it's a, it's a brutally hard course in the, in the USGA uh, kind of made it even harder than it needed to be uh, for for that last U.S. Open. Um, yeah, I was looking the twenty eighteen Brooks won it at plus one, which is unreal. Because yeah, they, they 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 totally screwed up the uh, uh, the Saturday the, the Saturday part of it, where it, if you went out in the afternoon, you basically had no shot. Or, or I mean, guys like. Uh, uh, Tommy Fleetwood and some others basically got caught on the, the, the Saturday leaders basically caught the, the short end of the stick. And, um, and, and because of that, Brooks was able to, uh, to grind it away. Yeah. I mean, I looked in the last five years and it was like six under nine under at wing foot. And then you see that 2018 it's plus one at Shinnecock Hill. It's like, Oh, that must've been brutal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Bear, uh, two quick things or three quick things, and, I'll, and I'm done. I swear I'm done. Uh, number we're one, from, we're not from one question to two to now. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm done. I'm, I'm pulling up PMT, PMT style. Have you ever been on part of my take? I have not. I, I, I know, I know Big Cat, but I have not been on with those guys yet. Well, you, I'll. Yeah, well, I, I won't do anything, obviously, <laughs> but I would heavily loved see you on there but the three quick things number one uh on instagram you are a culinary expert what's your best dish and who cooks it is it you or your wife no me first of all me uh i I am told that my lasagna is world class okay which i am happy about and i would expect it to be so that's uh that is certainly my uh my, uh, if, if I had to go on and beat Bobby Flay, I, I would I would throw my lasagna out there against uh, against anybody's. Bet. All right. Cool. Number two, and I'm almost done here. Um, I have it down here. Um, oh shoot. Uh, number two is. All right. Well, I'll just jump to number three because that's the only one I remember. Uh, <laughs> three is. Can we call Lee Corso on the phone right now? No, we can't. No? no. Well, well, we could, could we? Yes, we could, but we're not going. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I had to throw it out there. That was all I had. Larry, anything to finish up with? <laughs> I mean, if you, I, I, can you give? I want to. Can you give us uh, your favorite win total over and under? Uh, over is Oregon. Uh, it's over nine, and and I think even if they were to go to Columbus and lose second week of the year you're still looking at a team that is better top to bottom than um than anybody uh, in the pac 12 that they're going to play in the regular season maybe they can get tripped up once uh in salt lake or maybe they get tripped up once in seattle but like their win totals nine i think 10 and 2 is still a very very likely situation for oregon especially with uh, the defense coming back with thibodeau and, and sewell and some of the other guys coming back after opting out last year or being injured. Um, I think they'll be okay on offense but because Tyler Shuck really declined you know, towards the end of last year. And uh, basically the entire line is back. Dell is back. 
receivers are back. So, so Joe Moorhead will have plenty of uh, weapons on offense to uh, to put up points. And then under is Indiana. I think there's still some eights out there on Indiana. Um, Michael Penix? What they did, what they did lately, can he stay? Can he make it through the entire year healthy? He's, yeah. he's yet to do that. And, and, and that's a problem. Uh, everything like kind of was the perfect storm for them last year. I mean, you, you catch Michigan as bad as they're ever going to be. You catch Wisconsin as bad as they're ever going to be. You play a terrible Michigan State team. You get a massive break uh, against Penn State in the opener. Now, now, look, they won these games, and they uh, stopped a lot of streaks uh, in doing so. But you open up uh, on the road at Kinnick. Uh, you got Cincinnati as a non-conference game. Still got Ohio State. You got to go to Penn State. Like eight, not nine and three isn't happening for IU this year. You lose Open to Walmart, you lose too. to Mark Johnson. Yeah. So like, uh, if they go eight and four and I push, that's fine. But, but I certainly don't think uh, Indiana's headed towards a nine and three season. So Indiana under eight would be the, uh, the under that I like the most. All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm, so basically we should bet our rent on Oregon to win the Pac-12, I heard. Um, I would, I would more. I would more just go with the over nine uh, because obviously there is a chance that they play, if they play um, USC or Arizona or State, Oregon again, or Arizona State or someone in, the, in that Pac-12 championship, I mean, they, they, they in theory could lose, but, um, but yeah, Oregon to win the Pac-12 certainly isn't a, a, a bad, uh, a bad play either. All right. Well, Bear, last, I finally remember my number two question. Remembered it. Done. Perfect. And then we're done. I'm so sorry. And I appreciate, I, man, I really appreciate everything, you know, just hopping on this podcast. But this is from the bookies basement, who I write for out of Philly, okay. even though I'm in Iowa. They want to know, is Kent State going to win the MAC at plus 1400? I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't think defensively they're, they're good enough to, uh, to win the match, they're going to score a ton of points, uh, but but I, I don't I don't think that's the, the best play. I just don't think defensively uh, they are good enough to do so. I mean, Ball State obviously has got a bunch of guys coming back. Now, now look, I will never talk anybody off a uh, of, a, of a long shot. Yeah, um, because I I would feel awful if someone likes a long shot to win. <laughs> uh, but but I mean, I I can't see that 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 happening just because of. Uh, in, 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 that, in that league, basically everybody can, can pretty much score points, and hey, they, they can score a lot of points too. But um, action, baby! I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on Kent State. I, uh, the funny thing is, I actually um, a couple of other win totals, and the the, uh, the the Northern Illinois win total is another one that I like going under on an IU. There's some bad teams in the MAC this year. Kent State is certainly uh, not one of them, and I certainly think. Uh, be interested to see if, uh, if Kent State keep the coach around a little bit longer. I know, uh, I know there's some people pretty worried that he uh, uh, one more good year and he might be out the door. Gotcha. Bowling Green's one of the worst teams. In oh, Tennessee. they're terrible. <laughs> they are awful. Northern Illinois, Akron, Akron is bad. Bowling Green is terrible. Uh, Northern Illinois is down. Yeah, there's they, some, some bad football at the bottom of that league. All right. Well, Bear. We don't want to take up too much of your time. Thank you so much for being our very first guest on the podcast. Uh, we'll have the episode out next week. Uh, I'll tag you in it. 
Everyone go subscribe to Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, iTunes, Spotify, greatest podcast regarding college football you can find. Bear, thank you so much for your time, man. You're quite welcome. Great talking to you guys. Yeah, I appreciate it, Bear. Take care. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a great day, guys. Thanks, guys.